Yeah, Lord, we, you know, as we prayed at the first gathering, Lord, um, you know, I, I pray, Most High, that, you know, that these won't just be words. Um, in Jesus alone, we're satisfied. I think if we took a poll in here today, Lord God, many of us would struggle to say that that's a realized reality in our life. Lord God, so many other things. I know for me, I, f I have to fight through daily, um, struggle through daily of things that I know don't bring satisfaction, thoughts that I know that don't bring satisfaction, yet there's the toil and the tussle of being fooled into believing that anything else can bring satisfaction but Christ. Um, so God, I pray that you would help this song to be embedded in us that you would help this song to actually take root because the song is a biblical reality where you want us to be satisfied in Christ and Christ alone because you know what? That's how you're satisfied with us in Christ and Christ alone. And so, Lord God, as today, as we, as we dig into the scriptures, let, let, let the scriptures nurture that in us. Let the, help the scriptures by the power of the Spirit to take actual functional root within us where we're, we continue to walk in the transformation that the gospel brings in order that we may recognize that there is no other venue of satisfaction except through Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart um, be acceptable in your sight. O oh, Lord God, my strength and my redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen, amen, amen. Good morning, y'all. Well, good afternoon, sorry. Good afternoon. How y'all feeling today? Are y'all getting in them life groups? Who in their life groups? Who in their life groups? I'm telling you, you got to get involved with a life group. Um, I'm, um, I'm, I'm really, really excited about um, how God is using Pastor Larry to help direct us and lead us. Um, to make uh, our community life have more depth. Um, I, I'm, I'm, we're praying for breath. Uh, how many of you all pray for our, the local church regularly, Epiphany Fellowship? How many of y'all pray regularly for people? You got to keep, a, you got to have that a part of your prayer life. Um, have a, and, and praying for our community that we live in. And we, we really need to keep these things lifted up because it's a big part of what God has called us to be involved in and engaged in in order to see Christ formed in us and those who are in Christ around us, and those who don't know Christ, to actually meet him. Um, we're back in Ephesians today. Um, we're, we're still in chapter 2. We won't finish chapter 2 today. We'll all but finish it, and so we'll, we'll be in verse. We'll, all, we'll go from probably 5b all the way um, to verse 9 today. And we're continuing, based on last week, the character behind our identity. This is just the second half of that for us, so that we can really get clarity on our identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, 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 and as, as we're going through this, these, this section here of Scripture is really for us the, the, the hallmark of Christianity. Um, this, this is a, a very, very important section of Scripture. I, I think it brought me great solace um, when I, I was a college student. It, these, these passages, this in particular... It was a memory, a group of memory verses for me because they were extremely important to my understanding of Christianity. And, and there's several 
terms here that we need to really understand as Christians as we walk with God, seek to know him, and seek to walk with him with everything within us. And, 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 and as we look today at this terminology, <laughs> at this terminology and everything that we're going to walk through, we, we, this is going to show how distinct Christianity actually is. You know, most people kind of think of Christianity as one of the myriad of world religions. And as I talk to people, I share the gospel with someone that's clearly uh, a religion hater, um, a person that really does not like organized religion. or they, they, One of the things that they say is all faiths are functionally the same or basically the same. And, and, they'll, and, they'll, and they'll say that to me a lot. And I'll, I'll say, man, like if you've really studied world religions, in their orthodox state, not in some old watered-down state, but in their orthodox state, you will really know that there are deep distinctions between each one. Matter of fact, if you talk to people that are really deeply vested in that particular religious interest, you will, you will begin to understand, yo, these joints are mad different. You know what I'm saying? And so, and so Christianity, though, when people say Christianity is like that, it, 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 it's very, very difficult in a text like this because this is diametrically opposed in every facet uh, of, of, of its nutrition to be different that, that makes Christianity very, very dis distinct. It, it's, a, it's a bumper sticker. My wife and I were driving through Center City together with the boys, and we was going, I think, to the Franklin Institute or something. We parked, and um, as we were driving to the parking space, we saw a bumper sticker that said, coexist. And, and, and as we looked at that, how many of y'all seen that license plate before or that little bumper sticker, coexist? And you know, I, you know, I, you know, we as Christians, we usually see something like that, and we just immediately go off. I'll see the devil's a liar, and see, you know what? But, but you know, I wanted to study it so I wasn't just throwing stones at something. And the original purpose of, of that bumper sticker, based on the guy who made it, it was an art festival going on, and he made that as just a piece of art to go to that art festival. It was a nonprofit event. But what he wanted to do was he wanted to talk about religious tolerance. In other words. Christians and Muslims not knuckling up on the corner, Buddhists and Hindu, like saying, say something else about your religion, watch I hit you. You know, it, he's basically saying, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get you guys to coexist together, so you need to coexist. Now, on a certain level, Christianity does believe in religious tolerance. In other words, we don't just go crusading after people to go kill people because they're not Christians, right? That, that's, that's, not, that's not biblical. Um, however, the, the philosophy of um, this joint has morphed a little bit. It's morphed now into people believing that Christianity is a part of a segment of all of these religions which really put them all together, you know, and you got the real true religion type thing. And, and, and so what happens is people say, well, there are pieces of God, and we believe that every faith and every religion really points to a piece of who God is, and if you just put them all together and they unite together, we'll have the whole picture together. And we would, we would, that's when we would say, now that's where religious tolerance, we draw the line, because when we begin to see what salvation is, um, how you get it, um, who God is, um, different particular key things make us distinct. Now, that doesn't mean we go around in philosophical elitism. We're not elitists that have our noses up in the air thinking we're better than anyone. We say that we're the worst of the worst and in the greatest need. But it doesn't make us arrogant. However, we can say authentically that this is truth. Now, as we get in this text, I want us to really absorb our need to understand our faith. And so here in verse 5b, <coughs> I'm going to start reading. 
Matter of fact, I'll just start off in verse 5. It says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive with Christ, by grace have, you have been saved, and raised, up, raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Wow. And so, and so, so we, we, we're going to spend time in these verses. And there's some beautiful things that we need to latch a hold of as Christians and hold on to. And if you're, if you're one of those people um, um, that, that, that just come here and say, you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just exploring this Christian thing. This is, this is a good one for you to zoom in on if, if, you're not, if you're not in the faith. And you're welcome here. You're very, very welcome to come through. And we want to engage with you, answer the questions that we're even able to answer. Some stuff is not just an intellectual fallacy that we're able to answer. We just know that there are limitations on our ability to fully explain what hasn't been revealed in Scripture. However, what has been revealed in Scripture, we want to do our due diligence to express to you through both life and lips the reality and truth of the gospel. And so here, we see last week that we saw our overarching point was God acted toward us based on his character. God acted toward us based on his character. Then we saw three subpoints, well, which the third subpoint will be in today. The first subpoint was, God's, uh, God's character has overwhelming compassion, overwhelming compassion. And that's what we went through, the idea of mercy. Then we saw the second subpoint was God's character has unconditional commitment. We, so we saw that last week when we talked about agape or love. And so now we're in our last point of this section, amen? Uh, we, we're in the last point of this section where we're talking about the character of God and God's God also has a character of kindness. Say kindness. <laughs> it says, by grace, you have been saved. Now, this is funny because Paul says this twice. Now, the first time he says it, it's almost like he's about to bust open because he's been ready to just say this, right? Now, remember, this is in the context of our identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. So God trying to give us a pictorial of who we are in him. Therefore, he's talking to us now about the way in which we were identified with him. Y'all with me? So now he says, for by grace have you been saved. So now, so now we need to stop on grace. We need to talk about grace. Y'all want to talk about grace for a second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grace, grace, grace. I, 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 man, I, I just love this term, grace. Now, just like mercy that we talked about last time, um, this is such a massive term. And we don't want to reduce it, yet we want to get a clear understanding of what it actually is on some level. We're going to really talk about, the, on an infantile level, grace. And so, just a few things about grace. Grace, a, benef a beneficent disposition towards someone and giving them favor, care, help, and goodwill. <laughs> favor, care, help, and goodwill. So based on that, <clears throat> in a myriad of other scriptures, we've developed two, uh, a working definition, one that's, one that's going to lay that joint out and then explain it. So grace may be defined 
as the unmerited, unmerited meaning you can't work for it, or undeserving, that means there was nothing about you desirable, (laughs) favor of God to those who are under condemnation. Let me say that again. Grace may be defined as the unmerited or undeserving favor of God to those who are under condemnation. Now, you got to understand, I, I, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Favor is on everybody to save. Favor, just, just that idea of favor that God causes stuff to happen that wouldn't normally happen. The first act of God's favor is saving you. Um, there is no other aspect of, we most, most of the time, we like God's sub-favor versus his super-favor. See, sub-favor is, you know, God is with me in this job, and God is helping me to get a promotion. God is doing it. That's sub-favor. But super-favor is the fact that he didn't see anything about you that was desirable and put his affections on you. But then, the, 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 to explain that, grace is, check this out, the willingness of, of, uh, for God in Christ. Grace is the willingness for God or of God in Christ to work on behalf of those whose work he does not value. Let me, let me say that again. God, grace, is, that's God's grace, is the willingness for God in Christ to work on behalf of those whose work he does not value. Now, now, now check this out. Now, I, you know, I, when I go in a city and speak, and I, had, I went to a city and spoke um, for, one of my, for one of, my, one of my boys, man, and went, went in that joint, man, and, you know, we was about to eat. And you know, the, the bill come, you know, you know, some of y'all, y'all sit at the table, you know what I'm saying? Because you, you know, you, you're like, I ain't got no money. You brought me here. You better do something about what just happened, you know? And so you ordering all up on stuff, different appetizers and carrying on multiple drinks, you know what I'm saying? And food and then dessert, you know what I'm saying? And then, then when um, it's time for the check, you, you know, you're like, man, I got to go to the bathroom, man. I don't know what, right? But, 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 you know, I was at the table and I was like, you know, I was trying to pull my little, my little wallet, I was, I was about to go, clack a dial, I was about to put it on the, on the table. Then he said, then he, then he said, he said, whoa, whoa, whoa. He said, your money ain't good in this city. I was like, okay, you know, cool. You know, we went another place. I'm about to buy something. You know, I'm pulling out my, I'm pulling out my little card. I'm about to hit it up. He's like, I told you, your money isn't good in this city. That's what happens when it comes to salvation. See, we try to pull out our credit, our spiritual credit cards or good works, we try to pull out our boastful credit card, and we try to slam it on the table. And God says, fall back. Put your wallet back out in your pocket. I already pulled mine out. He says, he, God, God says, your finances, your money is not good. You know what I'm saying? It's, we think that like the currency exchange at the airport, we can just go to the currency exchange. And like if you are um, from Yugoslavia or something, you know what I'm saying? Or you from Algeria and you got some Algerian cash or whatever type of money with cat on them, the front like this. And you trying to get up and get some money exchanged so you can get the currency of that kingdom. There is no currency exchange in God's kingdom. There's only a life exchange. Only a life exchange. So when we talk about grace, God flips the bill for this thing. And it's a hard reality for us to realize as believers. In the OT, in the Old Testament, or Tanakh, this word denotes deliverance from enemies, affliction, adversity, (laughs) enablement, daily guidance, forgiveness, and preservation. As a general definition, the doctrine of grace, listen, listen to this. I like this. 
He says the doctrine of grace, even though it's an attribute of God, <coughs> pertains to God's activity rather than to his nature when it's used in certain contexts. Although God is gracious, the trait uh, of his nature is revealed only in relation to his created works and to his redemptive enterprise. I like that. In other words, grace is to be understood, family, in terms of a dynamic expression of the divine personality than as a static attribute of God. So basically what it's saying is, is that God is, is pointing to the, the fact that God is full of mercy and it's not just an attribute that sits dormant, but it's an active attribute that expresses itself in relationship to human beings. Now there's two types of grace. There's common grace and there's efficacious or special grace. Somebody ought to hear me now. Y'all real quiet today. I don't, I don't know what I'm feeling in the room there. But, 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 but general grace is, is that type of grace where the sun shines, like Proverbs say, on the just and the unjust. You know, it's just grace that everybody gets, whether you saved or not. It's the grace to wake up in the morning. It's the grace to borrow breath. It's the grace to eat. It's the great, that's general grace. And if, 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 see, that, that's just, you can't say, I know God because God feeds me. He feeds the birds. So, so, and birds ain't saved. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? They're going to die and it's going to be it. Ain't going to be no redeemed birds in the kingdom flying around. Talking about, I thank God for his grace, man. And an antelope beside them running like this, man. I know, man, he be killing. You know, like they unbelievable, you know, they don't, they ain't got savable capacity. You know what I'm saying? A lion's like, raw, God is good. You know what I'm saying? Like, nah, right? <laughs> but that, that's, that's, that's general grace that God gives to animals. It's the same grace that God gives to grass to grow. It's the same grace that God gives for the planet to spin on its axis. It's the same grace that God gives for the clouds to come. It's the same grace that God gives for the rain to come. It's the same grace that God gives for stuff to just happen in the regular natural. However, supernatural, uh, 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 efficacious grace is that by which God supernaturally intervenes on unfavorable human beings with his favor and interrupts their life and transforms it. See, now that, that, that's the grace. That's the investment that God has on his people. So this is not static. God's grace is the uh, dimension of divine activity that enables God to confront indifference and rebellion with an inexhaustible, oh my God, capacity to forgive and to bless. God is gracious in his actions. I like the way it talks about in Titus 2.11 about the incarnation of God's grace in Christ. It says, it says, for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all men. I like that. That incarnation of grace is talking about a person who was the full expression of God's grace, and that's in Jesus Christ. Now, what happened was, is Jesus Christ, like God's grace is an attribute, but that attribute in an expression of it became a human and stepped in. You know what I'm saying? So Jesus Christ, you know what I'm saying? He came on the scene. He had a grace fitted on. He had a grace sweatsuit on. He had some grace sneaks on. You know what I'm saying? Look at flower his walking on planet earth, you know what I'm saying, coming through with him. Listen, he was full of, the Bible says, but he was full of grace and truth. See, many of us have a cheap understanding of grace. 
Because our understanding of grace means the dispensing of favor without the right information that impacts the favor. That's why Jesus was under the control of grace, but guess what? He was also in control of truth. And while he was on, in his earthly ministry, even though he said, the Father has given all judgment over to me, right? Crazy, right? God has given all judgment over to me. He says, but I did not come to judge. In other words, this time your boy coming like a lamb. So I'm, I'm, I'm lambing it up right now, you know what I'm saying? But in a minute, I'm a lying it up too, you know what I'm saying? And so in a minute, I'm coming back. But he offers the beauty of his grace. Grace is such a massive figurine in the kingdom. It's described in multiple ways. It's described as great, Acts 4.33. It's described as sovereign in Romans 5.21. It's described as rich, Ephesians 1.7. Exceedingly great, 2 Corinthians 9.14. Manifold. In other words, there's different kinds of grace. 1 Peter 4. 10, all sufficient, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, all abundant, Romans 5, 15, glorious, Ephesians 1, 6, um, is the source of election, Romans 11, 5, the call of God, uh, Galatians 1, 15, source of justification, Romans 3, 24, is source of faith, Acts 18, 27, source of forgiveness of sins, Ephesians 1, 7, source of consolation, 2 Thessalonians 2.16, and the source of our hope, 2 Thessalonians 2.16. Grace is massive. Grace for us as Christians is a massive interlude and interaction by which God in his beauty seeks to place favor on those who are absolutely unadulteratedly unfavorable. But then he says, for by grace, I like this, he said, for by grace, you have been saved. That's good. Now, now, what's beautiful about this, this, this the, the way this is laid out is the tense and the mood and the voice that it's in. Now, now it's, it's, it's in a perfect passive participle. Craziness, right? I'll explain it because y'all looking at me real funny right now. The perfect means, this is beautiful, the perfect means a past event in a defined particular period of time that has continued application. That means that there was a definitive time in the past in which a Christian is saved. It's, a de it's, it's, it's definitive. It's definitive. That means he saves at a particular time because salvation is an event, not a process. Evangelism is a process but not an event. Are you with me? So therefore, the one, one, one plants, one waters, God adds the growth. When God adds the growth, you have been saved by faith. Now, what happens is, is that particular point in time where God regenerates you, it's a simultaneous work and act of God that is mysterious by which nobody knows. This. I wish I had Holy Ghost goggles to see what happens when somebody gets saved. When somebody, when they believe in it, I just wish I could see the deterioration and death of the old spirit and then God blowing new life into the person and then the Holy Spirit grabbing around and Christ's life inside of us. Can you imagine seeing somebody? I'm not talking about he got saved and he was crying. I'm talking about seeing the supernatural work of God saving somebody. But then we had, that's the perfect. So the perfect means a specific period of time in the past by which the person was saved, but it has continued. We're going to come back to that continued piece. Now, passive, meaning that passive means you had nothing to do with it. It was acted upon you. You didn't act upon it. 
<laughs> so, so, so you're saved in the passive, not the active or the indicative. You are saved and not the middle. In other words, in the middle would mean you saved yourself. But the passive means that God acted on you. That means that you had nothing to do with you getting saved. God had everything to do with it. Now, 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 participle. I like it. Because this participle here is a verbal adjective. In other words, it's describing something, if you know your English. So, right, and the Greek is the same. It describes the person, not telling the person what they do. So when you look at um, the, the, the participle that is describing the identity of the person, so, you, so it can be translated, you, uh, you, um, uh, uh, you were saved, but you have been saved. That means, uh, it means that it's beautiful. It means that it had a beginning, but it continues without end. That means there's no detachment from salvation. That means that bullet, when it happened, then it just keeps going, keeps going. Your sin, it just keeps going. And what God, and the hope is, is as we are being saved, it continues to go like this. Now, you don't keep yourself saved. God keeps you saved because you didn't save yourself. If you saved yourself, then you would keep yourself saved. But because God started it, he completes the work that he begins. And God is not a deadbeat dad. God is not one that's going to be down. Listen, God begins and he ends salvation. But what's beautiful about salvation, it doesn't end. It just continues. <laughs> and, so, and, so, and so we see this as, as, a, as a deep uh, understanding of what it means to be a Christian. I remember when I was in college, you know what I'm saying, and we would have, you know, different preachers come and do revivals. A church would come up for like the day or two days or for a week, and they do a revival. And, you know, I was, I was in the Islam at that time. So, you know, I see Christians, and I go to the joint, you know what I'm saying, and um. And I look in there at the Christians, and I would just laugh at them. You know what I'm saying? And they would just, and they would just wild out as soon as the music started. And I watched that. You know, that was strange to me because I wasn't Christian at all. I didn't grow up in any of that. So I, it was strange to me. Now, I'm not against it. I'm just saying, wow, they tearing up rows like, like chairs just like, like a wave going, going down. And, I mean, people running around, dudes going like this and carrying them. And I'm looking, and people, and I'm, and I'm like, yo, what, what's happening in this church? Now, for me, worship is great. I'm not dogging worship, but I'm saying as a non-believer, I was like, look at, look at, look at him, man. He's going to be right back out here. We was like, yeah, man, he's going to be. And they did all that shouting, all that stuff. And then, some, then they have an altar call. People be all at the altar, hey, man, man, I'm so, I just bless you, Lord. And they just getting saved, right? Then I would see the cats back at stuff. So it really confused me about what the term saved meant. Because, I, I, you know, as a non-Christian, I was like, yo, man, like, what does it mean to get saved if you do all that and then nothing's different? Like, it was, I was, like, I'm just telling you, as a non-believer, I was deeply confused about salvation. So then one day I went up in the job. I, I don't know. It was just the Holy Spirit just tugging me. Went up in there with my nail, you know, with frat brothers, you know, I'm up in the junk, ice grilling. Man, that gospel went, clack, 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 hit your boy up, and I was, I was, I mean, I, now I had, I was tore up. I mean, I was, clack, I mean, snotty tears, everything. I mean, radically changed by the gospel. And so all my boys was like, E gonna, e gonna be right here hitting these blunts tomorrow. E, we got a dime bag. <laughs> Laughing, I'm like, I'm good, man. They said, give him three days. So it was three days, five days, ten days. A month, then several other cats was getting, like, getting transformed by the gospel. Then I began realizing, man, like, our identity is not to be event Christians. 
if you have been saved, by grace are you saved. That means that salvation should actually mark a change in your life. If the gospel is actually an investment of mercy, of love, of, of grace, there is no such thing as carnality as a functional state of a Christian. Do we have struggles? Absolutely. Do we have frustrations? Do we have falls? But it should not be a state because the investment of transformation demands transformation. People should not be confused whether or not we're Christians. People should not, now I'm not, I'm not saying we don't make, I'm just saying, man, we cannot be confusing as a community. People need to be sure, even if they don't like Christianity and they never going to trust Jesus, they should know what it's like and see what it's like to be Christian as what it means to be indigenous or, or from Christianity. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're from Philly, you say, what's happening? You know what I'm saying? If you're from Baltimore, you say, Doug. If you're from D.C., you say, I'm youngin'. If you're from New York, you say, son. I mean, there should be some indigenous signs that you're from where you say you're from. If there ain't no sign, there's no accent, there's no style. There's no... So the question is, what will people see stylistically in your spirit if you say you're a Christian? Do you have a Christian accent? I ain't talking about your twang. I'm talking about the transformation. That means when you sin, you don't front on it. You say, man, you know what? I messed up, but guess what? I got an advocate with the father that's taking care of everything. I said father. That's my, that's my accent. So, I mean, so it's very, 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 very important that Christianity be real. So, 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 so we have been saved, but then he says by faith. Say by faith. Yeah, 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 yeah. But by faith, this, this, is, this is another idea of importance because in this text, grace is the instrument, is the instrument of salvation. But faith is the means to connect with the object of our salvation. Now, we don't have faith in our faith. Let me say that again. There's no such thing as having faith in your faith, family. Because if you have faith in your faith, then your faith is the only thing you have to sustain you. That's why faith has to have an object, something that it is placed in. in order. Faith by itself is not powerful. Did you know that? Faith by the power of the human spirit and all that kind of carrying on, human spirit ain't got no power. It'd be wilding like a mug. But faith, the object of the, the faith is only as powerful as the object that it's trusting in. So, so in trusting in Christ, we connected. When the, listen, all right, let me, let me see if I can make a plan because y'all looking at me funny. The, the, the Bible says the crowds were pressing around Jesus. And it says, and the, and the woman came and she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. Now, what's interesting is some people will look at what Jesus says. He, when, he, when she grabs him, he said, who touched me? The disciples was like, man, all these people around you. He said, I don't see who. He said, nah, 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 nah. There's a touch, then there's a touch. The Bible says power went out from him. And the woman fell at, her, at his feet, and he says, and she says, I'm sorry. I was the one that touched. 
He says, go your way, your faith has made you well. Now, Jesus wasn't saying her faith by itself made her well. Because some people say, well, your faith, your faith. No, it's your faith in relation to the object that you're connected to that causes what happens to happen. Now, the issue is, is that the, the, uh, it's not only enough to have faith in the object of our faith, Jesus Christ. You have to have faith in Christ about the right stuff. See, you can't just make God the object of your faith and try to put him in a, in a, um, in a uma plata or a, 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 you know what I'm saying, a figure four leg lock and, and just tie him all up and have him in an arm bar like, God, you're going to do without, this is your prayer, and your prayer is, God, I think you're going to break God's arm. God said, you're going to pull all you want to. You can yank all you want to, but I don't tap out on your nasty desires. Tap. No, he's not tapping. He said, you're going to tap in a minute. And then he got you in the head like, all right, all right, God, all right. You're going like this, like a mother. Why? <laughs> because he wants his people to have faith in him and have faith in him for the right stuff. So, as we talked about faith, what in the heck is faith? Hebrews 11.1. 1. Got several translations of this. ESV, uh, NET, and NLT. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That's ESV. <laughs> Net is now faith is being sure of what we hope for, being convinced of what we do not see, right? I like the New Living. Y'all need to grab a New Living translation. If you got the ESV, we use the ESV here. Grab a New Living also. New Living is a sweet uh, in, uh, uh, interpretive translation. But it says faith, oh, download it on your phone. Faith is the confidence that we, uh, that we hope for, that, that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. So, faith is, you guys, the reliance, trust, and confidence that God will do what he promises on his terms. Let me say that again. Faith is the reliance, trust, Confidence that God will do what he promises on his terms. So God is the object of our faith. And we have to believe him for the right stuff. But even if you have the right information, God does the right information on his terms and in his time. <laughs> and so that, that means that, that's a beautiful hallmark of Christianity. And, that point, and, and, and this is beautiful in, in, in our lives for God to, 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 to really utilize faith to be a transforming agent in our life that, be, that God uses to connect to the instrument of faith, that is grace, but also the object of our faith, Christ, and the transformation of our faith being saved. John Calvin <coughs> talks about faith in the institutes. I love it. He says, since the nature of faith could not be better or more clearly evidence than by the substance of the promise by which it leans as its proper foundation and without which it immediately falls or rather vanishes away. We have derived our definition from it, a definition, however, not at all at variance with that definition, but he says, or rather description which the apostle accommodates to his discourse when he says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Listen, he says, for by the term substance, he means a kind of prop 
on which the pious mind rests and leans. Faith is, is a prop. I mean, the substance is the prop on which the pious mind rests. He says, Paul says in Romans 8.24, a hope that is seen is not hope. He says that we hope for that we, uh, that we see not. He says when he calls it the evidence or proof, or as Augustine repeatedly renders it, the conviction of things not present, the Greek term conviction, it is the same as if we had called it the appearance of things not apparent, the sight of things not seen, the clearness of things obscure, the presence of things absent, and the manifestation of things hid. So, so when, we look at, when we look at this idea of faith and, and, and its role, I like the way 1st, 2nd Peter exhorts Christians to continue in faith. He says, now applying your faith with all diligence. He says, add to it moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, uh, 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 at godliness. And in your godliness, uh, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. And if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither fruitful or unfruitful in the knowledge of him. But if these qualities are absent, the, uh, uh, you are short-sighted and blind, having forgotten your former cleansing from your former sins. What does that mean? Nearsighted. Let me tell you something. When I, oh, my God. When I take on my glasses, I, I see, like, like, abstract art right now. Like when I look around, it's abstract art. Y'all just look like clothing, like, you know, and everybody's like the same color right now. You know what I'm saying? And, but, 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 but this is funny. If I, bring, if I bring this sheet close to my face like this, man, it look crystal clear. Now, some of y'all can't see this close. But see, for me, this is real clear. That's why some of y'all laugh at me when I look over my glasses and I read and stop doing it, right? But then if I take my glasses off and I try to look far, I can't see. I'm nearsighted, meaning I can see near, but I can't see far. What it means in that text is when a person becomes nearsighted spiritually, they only can see what's close, meaning they're walking a faithless life. But true authentic faith is that type of faith that doesn't clear how close something is. Their faith is not in what they see, but what's far off that has been pictured through the promises of God. Does, 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 is your life marked by that? Is your life marked by the promise? Like, like, like you, like I can't, like most, like I, most of, if you're like me in some area, you are a worrier when you don't see stuff sometimes. You, you get the worrying and all of a sudden you get the drumming up fear and frustration. Why? Because at that point in time, you're operating in a nearsighted format. And so what God has called us to do is be farsighted Christians. To be a people who, when it comes to salvation, of course, Jesus says, blessed, when, when Thomas, you know, Thomas said, I mean, unless I see anything, I got to see blood drip. Listen, I got to see, you know, slices. I got to see Jesus, right, like resurrected, and I will have to stick my finger in what happened before I believe. Jesus appeared in the room. We don't know how, whether he walked through the wall, you know what I'm saying, or, you, or we don't know whether or not he was, like, invisible and laughing and just said, hi. You know what I'm saying? We don't know what she did, right? But the Bible says he appeared in the room. Cass was like, oh, snap. You know what I'm saying? Like, will you? And then, 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 then Thomas, then Jesus, he's 
back to his normal. He said, stick, he said, stick right here, stick right here. The dude said, oh, my Lord, my God. Then he says, you see and believe, but blessed are those who do not see, yet they believe. That's what it means to be a Christian. Is there anything in your life that God is doing and wants to do that you don't see yet? And it's resting on you and it's causing you deep frustration. See, this idea of we being saved by grace through faith, we're saved by faith, grace, but we continue in it. This is a continuation of the Christian life. And so our identity is to be a people who are impacted by mercy, impacted by love, impacted by grace, transformed by them, making us saved, and attaching to that by faith and continuing in that faith. That's what makes us a Christian. So this, you want to know what makes Christianity distinct? You want to know what makes Christianity distinct? We don't earn our position with God. We don't earn it. Christ earned it for us. And our works don't connect this with salvation. Jesus Christ, he says, he says, and it is a gift of God that no man should boast. That word gifts means sacrifice. A sacrifice or an offering for something. So God gave an offering, and usually he accepted offerings from people. But Christ offers first, then we offer, because we're saved, not to get saved. So that's why Romans 12, 1 says, present your body as a living sacrifice, an offering, because you're already saved. Now you present yourself as an offering because Christ already was the offering. And the offering that you present yourself doesn't earn you anything. It's a because of, not to get to. So don't think that your little piety earns you greater favor of someone. That's why nobody can be spiritually arrogant, even if you have a sense of intimacy and peace and comfort in your soul and somebody else doesn't. That doesn't make you elite. You should be an encourager. <laughs> so I pray. I'm going to shut it down. I'm going to shut it down. But I, I just pray that, that, that we would be marked by these things and we would see that this is a very distinct thing. It's, it's simple but not simplistic. Father, we honor you for your mercy found in Christ. We, we bless you for your transformation that you bring through him and that we have been authentically transformed by the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. None of us have the ability to boast. We can't show off. We can't talk smack because all of us were saved by the same means. For by grace are we saved through faith. It is a gift of God that no one may boast. So we, we can't boast about our salvation. Why do we talk about this so much? Because it's easy to not remember how our identity was created. And we thank you that our identity was created by you being motivated by your character. Such a beautiful thing, God. So I pray that we never forget it. And that we live in light of the one who has saved us and continues to save us. In Jesus Christ's mighty name we pray. Amen.